I might, um, I might get into it. Uh, loving Jesus, we just ask for your holy message, uh, a message that comes just from you, one that can invite us into what you are doing uh, around us and the people next to us, but also, Lord, uh, in what you have planned for us in the days, weeks, months and years to come. Lord Jesus, we just ask, draw out truth, keep away untruth, keep that out. Lord, we just pray for uh, open hearts, but also honesty. Uh, we just pray for your spirit to be the discerning spirit in the room. Uh, nothing done in our strength or my strength, but everything comes from you. So we just pray, Lord, fight for that, uh, advocate for that. In your holy name we pray, amen. amen. So uh, this is, for me, quite a weird experience because I haven't preached in a long time. Uh, for me, a long time could be months, but it's actually been nearly six months since I've shared a, a good news message, at least six months, maybe even more. Uh, for those who don't know, Renee and I are, well, Renee's still in the children's department, but I'm no longer in the youth department. Did everyone know that? I'm out. I've been out for a while. Did you know that? You didn't get the memo? Uh, so, my, uh, my life now is actually here in Norwood. So the Salvos gave me this awesome opportunity, my, Renee and I, uh, to plant a faith community here in Norwood. So um, I don't know who the DY is. I think it's Sarah now. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe Leanne. I, I could be anyone. Uh, now, I believe that there's a new DY on the, on the cards. But anyway, that aside... Uh, Renee and I have been advocating for a long time to say that uh, there are a bunch of young adults all over the place, um, like all over South Australia, all over the division, all over the country, from every kind of denomination you'll find there are young adults, and I'll explain what a young adult is in a minute, because for those of you who can't work yourselves out, I'm going to help you, right? That's, no, I'm not going to help you, you're going to help yourselves, because that's what it's all about. Um, no, Renee, uh, this is our side hustle, what we're doing tonight. This is not our full-time gig. This is not my job. This is what we do because we actually believe that the Salvation Army cultural divide has been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And there are some young adults who find themselves in a rather large gap where they're not quite connecting in at their local faith community or their local core or their local church or their local denomination, whatever it might be. And there could be lots and lots of reasons for that. But there are some core who are smashing it. Not many. <laughs> but there are some who are smashing it. So the whole point of this particular project that we've been working on is not to plant something new for you. Uh, or for young adults, not to say you know, trash whatever you're doing. This is actually what we want to do is we want to remind you that Jesus looks at you with every potential that he looks at anyone else. And he wants you to be the best disciple you can be. And what we want to do is we want to encourage you to first and foremost, live out the best discipleship you can. The second thing we want to help you is if you're struggling at your local core, there is a, a group of people in this room, every single one of us, we are not kids, we are not old farts, we are people who with energy, hopefully, people with enthusiasm, a good brain, some people are at uni, some people are working, some people are wondering what they're going to do tomorrow, it doesn't matter. Every single person in this room here can help someone else live out in their life in a faith community. So if you're struggling, you can come to me 
but I'm going to tell you what to do in 1992. All right, that's where I thrived. And I'm going to tell you some more about that. That's where I was king. I am no longer, uh, in fact, uh, people tell me all the time, I did a little video just for officers the other day, and Renee said, that's really bad. And I said, what's wrong with it? She goes, it's cheesy. It's embarrassing. Don't let young people see that. I say, well, that's why I sent it to officers. There's no young people in officership, is there, Sarah? There's like nothing. So it doesn't matter, right? Uh, so what we want to do, first and foremost, we want to help young adults live out the best discipleship they can. The second thing is we want to help you find a faith community that, uh, will, that you feel that you can grow. So what we want to do is want to help fill some of the gap for you. So this space can be a space. Once a month, you get to come, and if worship isn't what you would want it to be, we're inviting you to talk amongst yourselves, invite me into that conversation, and we'll make this space once a month, midweek, where you can just let your hair down and you can jump into some worship that is for you, that might fill your tank, get, put your fuzzy slippers on, whatever it is you want to do, this is what this space is for. So that when you turn back up on Sunday morning and you go, oh, just this just doesn't do it for me. It shouldn't have to do it all for you. You should be able to find some other ways to fill that tank. I'm hoping that this is one of them. So when you turn up on Sunday, the Sunday coming, hopefully my goal for you, my hope for you, my prayer for you is that when you look around the room, you don't need everything you might have enough to maybe give back rather than try and take in. Does that make sense? So I'm going to get into the message in a minute, but what I want you to think about through tonight is what could this be for you and how can this help you at your local faith community? And tell us how we can change this. What does this look like? Now, we always put some stuff together and I could go on all night. I love talking about this. This is what I love. Um, but we want you to think about that and... Um, yeah, or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. All right, let's get into this. So I want to start, start off by telling you is that I turned 40 this year. I turned 40 this year. I know I don't look it. I, no, this year I turned 40 uh, in about 12 weeks, uh, which is really strange for me. Um, it's, it's really bizarre. Johnny turned six. Joey will turn one this year. So it's, it's amazing. We've got a lot going on. But for me, what that says to me is there is no chance I could classify myself as a young adult. It's just, I can't, right? So uh, have you ever thought, have you ever thought where the term young adulthood comes from? Now, some of you in the room are going, yes, but I don't like labels. We, you might like this one. <laughs> one is that the government like to give young adults money. So Keep, your, keep in the young adulthood for as long as you can. So if you think about a teenager, right? So think about a teenager in your life. You might know a few. Think about a teenager in your life. And a teenager generally wrestles with, and you're probably familiar with these three things, maybe not in this context, but a teenager is really someone from the age of about 10, 11, depending on when they hit pubescence, and uh, all the way until about 17, 18, and really even then that sort of was a bit vague. A teenager wrestles with three things. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what difference do I make? Right, so I'm going to say that again. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what difference do I make? Now, just have a little bit of a think about the teenager in your mind, and just have a little 
think, how many times do you think that teenager in the last month has changed who am I? Changed the identity of who they are, like the, who they connect with, or what about where they belong? Are they into online gaming and that's who they're all about, or footy season starts and all of a sudden it's about footy season, or um, what's something on TV? I don't watch TV. Is there anything on TV and someone's all about that? I don't know. Uh, no, I'm all about Netflix. I can't, I can't watch regular TV. I'd, I'd rather pay for TV than someone else pay for TV and I watch ads. Does that make sense? I just, like, I'm paying for the right not to watch the ads. Do you get that, Caitlin? You don't know? Yeah, I'm all for it. All right. An adult, an adult is someone um, who should have that figured out. <laughs> should. Should. <laughs> should have that figured out. Now, a teenager, when they wrestle with the issues of who am I, where do I belong, what difference do I make, everything bubbles over in their life. It's just chaos. It's just pure chaos. Every single day is another day to wrestle with the identity of who am I, where do I belong, and what difference do I make in the world. In fact, it is so powerful in some young people's lives, it will push them to the brink of extremes because of how that affects them. It bubbles over in their life. Now, an adult is someone who should have started to work that stuff out uh, if they haven't already worked that out, and they're no longer affected by the transition stuff. They're, they go like, ah, oh, I am this person, and this is where I belong, and I make a difference by doing this. Generally speaking, a young adult, okay, a young adult, we would say, is someone in between, someone who's still trying to define who am I, where I belong and what difference do I make, but is no longer affected by the extreme nature of that challenge. So they're no longer controlled by the extreme identity crisis. Well, a healthy young adult. I'm not, I'm sure most of us are healthy. I'm not looking at anyone. Uh, all right, so no longer controlled by the struggle, but are still trying to work out who am I, where do I belong and what difference do I make. Now... This is the thing that when someone tries to put you in a box, this is the thing, is that young adulthood is a stage, it's not an age. Does that make sense? So you could be 40 and be a young adult. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I, I believe that I am definitely on the other so side of boring. But for me, I sat down and made a decision. I, I've got kids. I've got a family. My uh, whole life agenda is actually now determined by other people. As a young adult, you are in the phase where you are the only one responsible for you to answer those questions. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what difference do I make? Now, because you are responsible for that, teenagers are controlled by the mob. Does that make sense? The peer pressure in a teen's life is overwhelming. A young adult is no longer as affected by that. And the older you get, or bear with me, the more mature you get, the more power over the mob you have. Right? So if everyone's all about, let's get tattoos on our face, and you go, oh, okay, in high school I will. But then as a young adult, you go, what the hell was I thinking? Getting a tattoo on my face, right? So that's the power of the mob. You have control over you answering those questions. Doesn't mean you've defined it. 
Do you know there was a, a really famous young adult in the Bible that I think you might connect to? His name was Jose or Jesus. Well, Jesus, is it Jesus, the Spanish way of saying Jesus? Jesus, right? Jesus, technically, would have been a young adult. Did you know that? The disciples definitely were either just barely pubescent teens, maybe, but they were definitely young adults. Like, they did not have their stuff worked out at all. Jesus, on the other hand, uh, was someone who, he actually knew who he was, but it was evolving every day. He knew where he belonged, but he wasn't where he belonged. And he knew what difference he made, he just yet hadn't made it. Does that make sense? So, here we are talking about Jesus, and here we are talking about who, what we do in response to that. I want to tell you about my journey as a young adult, all right? Because my journey as a young adult for me actually defines why I'm here in the first place, not just here in this room, but why I'm a follower of Jesus, why I'm in ministry, why I talk about Jesus uh, and all the other stuff. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take you back to 1999. 19, can, is that, were you all born yet? Yeah. J-Red, you were born? I was, right. I was, I been all right, so okay, I was turning 20. <laughs> at this time. Okay, so I want to tell you about a time in my life, and this is my conversion story. This is the time I, I came to faith, all right? So I grew up in a Salvo home, and I knew about Jesus. I knew all about the stuff. Um, I was a little bandsman. Has anyone grown up in the Salvos? Yep, a little bandsman. I was even in the Boys' Legion. Anyone know what that is? Yeah, it's really dorky. It's like scouts, but like, oh, no, nothing cool about it. Uh, it was really lame -o. So I was a Salvo kid. I grew up church. My parents are so lovely. They're, they're so good. My mum's an extreme extrovert and she wears us out sometimes, but she is such a good woman. So I had loving parents, grew up in a Christian home. I never really knew Jesus. What I knew was church culture. Does that make sense? Uh, for those who grew up in a church, and if you haven't grown up in a church, thank the Lord. Uh, you might be able to teach us something. Um, so I grew up in the church, but I never really knew Jesus. So when it came time for me to move out, anyone want to have a guess how old I was when I moved out of home? <laughs> not your home, not your home. I moved, out, I moved out of home when I was 16. When I was 16, uh, there was nothing wrong. I just got an apprenticeship. <laughs> so I've got a chef apprenticeship. I was a chef. Uh, and I moved to the Grampians in Victoria. It's a beautiful mountain range. And I moved to the Grampians and I was living in some old guy's spare room. I was 16. I, could, I didn't have a car license because in Victoria you can't get your peas until you're 18. So I'd have to ride my bike at 6 o'clock in the morning to the restaurant. And then, you know, because it was split shifts, I'd then have to take a couple of hours off to get the bus back into Ararat, which is 45 minutes, and go do high school, <laughs> like go do year 12, and then get the bus back to go do night shift at the restaurant. Now, I didn't have to do that every day, but I did that at least uh, to do my exams and stuff like that. So I moved out when I was 16, uh, and the moment I moved out, as you can probably imagine, I never went back to church. I just didn't have to. I didn't have the need. I didn't have, certainly didn't have the desire to. 
I just didn't go back to church. Uh, but what I did have was a girlfriend, <laughs> and she had become my new religion. Uh, everything that she wanted to do, that's, that's just what we did. Uh, it's to the point where we moved in together, we had uh, sort of this crazy sort of cycle of life. It was really unhealthy. There was nothing healthy about it. Uh, but we'd started this sort of chaotic uh, world together. And then one day, I come home from work. I, by this stage, I'm 18. Got a car. I got a hot rod Hyundai. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, had the little fin on the back. Had to pay $210. I, that was a lot of money when you're 20. Uh, to make it look sporty, that was, that was it. I had some dice. It was cool. Um, so <laughs> I, was, I came home one day, and there's a letter with some keys and some CDs. Do you guys know what CDs are? Come on, Caleb. I'm looking at Caleb and goes, I know what they are, I just don't own one. <laughs> right, so, and what was in the letter was a letter from this girl, uh, and she basically said, oh, we're done, I don't ever want to see you again, don't try and contact me, don't call me, don't come and see me. We lived in a town of 5,000 people, how do you not see someone? Uh, so she said, just don't ever see me, I don't want to see you ever again. Now, I had no idea that it was leading to this place. I knew we had a dark relationship, but I had no idea it was leading to that place, that don't ever see me again place. Uh, and so, like, I thought, well, what is wrong with me? What is so bad with me that I can never see her again? So, because I was really upset, <clears throat> I went to my best friend's house and she was there with my best friend. Uh, and they had been seeing each other for about six months, and she just moved out of my house and just moved into his house. Uh, so I turned up to his place to drink away our sorrows, only to find that my sorrows were there. <laughs> oh, the next day, uh, her friends came to visit me and told me the story that... Um, Sarah and Ben had been seeing each other for about six months um, and, you know, she didn't have the courage to tell Ben uh, or to tell me that she was with Ben and Ben, who was one of my best friends, uh, didn't have the courage to tell me that, you know, it just was a, a crazy, crazy mixed up time uh, in my, my life. Now, this is where the story takes a bit of a twist, right? So, at that point, I was killing it in life apart from relationships. I was making some really good money. I was uh, started my own business. I worked at um, a restaurant. At that time, I was working at a restaurant, earning really good money, really good reputation. Uh, I had a great... Um, my business was taking off. Uh, it, it just everything at that point, though, when the relationship broke down and found out that I was second place to someone else, that what it did to me internally was take my entire being and tore it to shreds, my entire self-identity and made it into nothing. Because everything that I believed was about, that I was, was centred on everything, everything else that was everyone else. There was nothing about me. I hadn't worked out who I am, where I belong or, or what difference do I make. In fact, all of the answers I had to that were still so chaotic. You might even say I was very immature. In fact, you can say that, I say that. My mum says it all the time. Renee says it to me this morning. Uh, so, very immature. So, what do grown men who are still immature do when their life turns to poo? What do they do? They go to their mum. That's what they do. 
They go home, they have a little cry, mum makes tuna mornay and you steal stuff from the fridge. That's what happens. Grown men go to their mums. That's what they do. That's exactly what I did. Uh, so whenever I go to my mum's place, I normally drop off washing and then pick up my clean stuff and steal stuff from the cupboards. But this particular day, my mum and dad weren't home. And what I did is I went into her cupboards because when, when I feel sad, I like to either spend other people's money or borrow things on a more permanent basis from my family. <laughs> so uh, what I did is I went into my mum's thing and I'm like, oh, look, I'll just, I'll just go through my mum's cupboards. And I pulled out and she had this guitar. Now, it's an old guitar. Uh, at that time, when I picked it, when I opened up the box, the guitar might have been 20 years old by then because my mum played it as a kid. Uh, and it's, I picked it up at Christmas and you can't even keep the thing tuned. That's how old this thing is. Uh, so I pulled out this guitar. And for those who know music, on top there was a sheet of music or a sheet of like a, a song. And it had the words on it with the, how to play the chord above it. It's not just the chord, it's like you put your finger here and you do this and, and you go up, down, down, up, up, down, right? So it's that kind of music. And it was a song called Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Does anyone know that song? Yeah, I can see the nods. I was at a court last year uh, and they played it and I'm like, how old is this place? <laughs> uh, so Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Now, this is a really old song and I... I tossed up about whether I would play you this song and I decided, bow, bow, no, I won't do it because then you're going to get stuck in your head and then you're going to want us to sing it and we're not going to do it. Uh, but it goes like this. In the words, it goes, um, that, well, the song is, is Jesus, lover of my soul. And it talks about uh, broken, I am broken and he makes me whole. And at this point, I, when I'm reading these words about Jesus, who's the lover of my soul, uh, I, I felt like my soul was in pieces. Like my soul actually didn't make any sense to me. I didn't know what it was and I didn't know who I was. I certainly didn't know where I belonged anymore and I certainly didn't know what difference I made. So I, when my mum and dad got home, they saw the car and my mum come in kind of expecting me to already have stuff loaded in the car uh, and I said to them, hey, uh, I hadn't even told them yet that I'd broken up with this girl. Uh, so I found this, uh, I this song in your guitar. Um, I it just doesn't make any sense to me. What, what on earth does this mean, Jesus lover of my soul? And my mum explained to me, she said, because there's nothing you can keep from Jesus. He sees you for everything you are, even if you can see it for yourself or not. He just knows. He sees past all the bulldust. He sees past all the bravado. He sees past every barrier, every front that we place up with each other. He sees through it. And he sees into you as you are and as you could be. As you are and as you could be. And it's that that he loves. He doesn't love all the choices that we make. He doesn't love some of the choices we don't make. <laughs> but he loves us who we are and he loves us who we could be. Now, this was a transformational moment for me. And I said, I want to know more. I want to know what that means. That started me on a journey of trying to understand if everyone else 
only ever sees the brokenness. If, I, if everyone else can break me, Jesus wants to make me, not break me. If everyone else has the potential to hurt me, Jesus only has the ability to heal me. And I wanted to know more about that. So this is where I come to you and I want to talk to you tonight. I'm here tonight because I encountered Jesus in a way who saw me for who I am and who I could be. I saw Jesus who didn't want me to be broken. He wanted me to be whole. I saw, I met a Jesus who looked at me and saw that I could be so much more if I just let him into my life. And I want that for you. I want that for the people who don't know him. I want that for people in our churches. I want them to know a Jesus who loves them for who they are and who they could be. I want them to know a Jesus who can make them whole, who can make them more, who can transform our lives, transform our communities. I am here because I want to tell people about that Jesus. I'm here because I want people to know that Jesus. I'm here because I want you to know that Jesus knows you and knows who you could be. I am here today because when I was an immature kid who was making terrible choices, I was surrounded by loving people, I was surrounded by good people, but I still was missing the most important thing, and that was my maker. I want to help now go into a story right? A story, I've got the, the Bible here, so I'm not like making this up. This is a real story. <clears throat> I want to tell you about uh, when Jesus died and then he came back to see his disciples, his disciples went through a bit of a crisis when Jesus died, right? So the first thing is, is that they had started to understand that when they were following Jesus and Jesus was around, their entire lives were about what Jesus was about. Where they belonged was wherever he was. <laughs> That's where they belonged. And what difference do they make? Well, they made a difference every single day, but it was always guided by Jesus. And then he died. Now, there is a small gap here where actually I think the divine, that's the, the God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, where the divine let them linger in that for a few days. Let them sit in that agony of, well, who are we if we no longer follow Jesus? Who are we if we're no longer doing the miracles with Jesus by our side or witnessing the miracles? Who are we if we're not stealing loaves and fishes off little kids so that we can feed other people, right? Who are we? And then... Jesus comes back. Once they've sat in their misery, once they've sat in that questioning time of their lives, then Jesus returns. And he did some pretty cool stuff. He had some fish on the beach with them. He came and saw Mary first. I think that's one of the coolest parts is Jesus came and hung out with Mary before he hung out with anyone else. But there is this time where he comes and has a chat with a guy named Simon Peter. Now, is everyone familiar with Simon Peter? Yeah, he's sort of become the grumpy one in the end. But Simon Peter... Okay, uh, Simon, Peter and Jesus are standing on the beach after they've had fish and chips on the beach and uh, 
Jesus calls Simon uh, aside to have a bit of a chat with him, right? Well, Peter, Peter, just no, it's not all about me. Um, and I'm going to read you this story. Okay. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, uh, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. Hey friends, we are so sorry. There was a technical issue with the camera, but forget that and let's just carry on. The golden circles. The first one is, is that nothing in your discipleship journey is going to make any difference until you can decide why you follow Jesus. The next thing is, Jesus wants you to work with him what, what do you do with that? How do you want to live that out? And then the last one is, what do you do? Now, I'm going to tell you for me, I follow Jesus because he transformed my life from someone who was a broken person. He's made me whole. He made me whole. He made my heart whole. That doesn't mean I didn't hurt. It didn't mean I didn't make mistakes. It didn't mean uh, I didn't do all those terrible things as I grew and mature. It meant that there was someone in my heart who said, there's a little bit that's breaking. You need to come back closer to me so that we can work this out. Right? That's what that means. Uh, so the next part is, is that where do I belong? Well, I could have chosen any denomination, but my family was a part of the Selvos. And so I wanted to learn how to be a part of a faith community with my family. That's why I'm a part of the Selvos. I, was, I don't feel like I was ever called to be a Selvo. It was, it's my tribe. It's who I belong to. I love everything we stand for. We make some terrible decisions as a movement sometimes, but it's my tribe. It's who I am. Uh, Renee grew up in a different tribe, but as a family, we've made this our home, the Salvo community. The last thing, and I've got to tell you, the most least important thing is I'm an officer. It's just the last thing. It's the least most important thing in my life in that whole segment of things. I'm a follower of Jesus first. I'm a part of a movement called the Salvation Army, and I just happen to be an officer. It's the least important thing in my life. It doesn't mean I don't live it out to the fullest. <laughs> and work really hard at it, it's the least most important thing. The most important thing is what? My life. My wife. My relationship with Jesus. As disciples, when you leave this place, I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to wrestle with who is Jesus to you? Together with Jesus, I want you to wrestle with what, do you, what does he want you to do about that? And the last thing is, is that what you do, well, you've got plenty of time to work that out. <laughs> plenty of time. I'm going to invite Marin to come back uh, and for us to have some time to reflect. If anyone needs to bail, by all means do that. But what we're going to do from here is Marin's going to um, sing some worship. We're going to sing along with her. But I want you to spend some time talking to Jesus. And if you haven't sorted out with him yet, about who he is to you, about why you're following him, I want you to take a moment to sit with him and let him tell you that. I want to remind you, my personal experience is, is that Jesus knows you for who you are and for who you could be. So if you need some guidance, maybe meditate on that. Remember that he knows you, who you are and who you could be. I hope you have a great week. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to do some, like, allow some time for prayer. If you need to go, please just um, 
just get out and do what you need to do. Uh, and after a while, we might bring it to a close. But if you want to stay in prayer after we're finished, that's totally fine. We just ask that you respect those who are still praying. Is that all right? All right, let's jump in.